Hey guys, welcome back to the GOAT podcast. Been a bit of a hiatus. I am so sorry about that. Uh, but here's the good news. Uh, Drew Suttles is not on this podcast. That's the best news that I could give you today. Um, guy's a moron, really, if you stop and think about it. I mean, who who in their right mind roots for the Atlanta Braves and the Clemson Tigers and the Jacksonville Jaguars? Who, by the way, missed the playoffs and made it possible for my team to make the playoffs? We're going to lose this weekend, but it doesn't matter. We made the playoffs, and they did not. So uh, that's the best news I can give you is that Drew Suttles is not here. Uh, and, Drew, if you, if you can hear this, uh, I mean every word of it. Not really, but it would be so much fun if I could just start some drama. No, Drew's a good guy. He is unfortunately in another state. I'm in the great state of Dallas, Texas. Uh, the great state, the great city and state. Uh, city Dallas, state Texas. And I do have a guest with me today. You know and love her, and you probably know why we have her on the podcast today. If you've been paying attention in the last 24 to 48 hour news cycle, uh, Monica Teske, welcome back to the podcast. I got to say, even if you haven't been paying attention, I feel like it probably has smacked you in the face. The news over the past yeah. little bit. So, Yeah, and of course, we're talking about uh, Pete Carroll has been fired in Seattle uh, and is no longer the head coach there. And Bill Belichick is part of Yeah, Bill Belichick as well. Him. That was so, supposedly, uh, you know, a, a mutual thing. And also, you know, Mississippi State upset Tennessee in college basketball, but nothing else important has been going on. No, I mean, nothing at all. Uh, no, in all reality, we have about six to seven topics to cover right now. Uh, Monica, I want to save the big ones for the end. I okay. Let's get the ones out of the way that we know we can cover quickly. Uh, which I think a good place to start is we'll rotate NCAA to NFL. So let's okay. start with the NFL here. Uh, the NFL has been very much involved in Black Monday. Uh, in fact, I need to look this up real quick because I forgot to do that beforehand. Um, NFL coaches that have been fired. I think uh, it's eight. I could be wrong. I think you're but right. I think it's eight. And we're, we'll go all the way back to even the in-season firings, if possible. I think this this one will tell me that. So, uh, crazy enough, the New England Patriots are at the top of this list. Did you did you ever think that would happen? No, I I never I never thought that Bill Belichick was going to be let go from his position at New England. I kind of and thought how long he would die as the coach of the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, how, how long before he's a Los Angeles charger? Uh, Cause I think that's what all of us realize is going to happen. Um, do they wait a full week or do you think it happens within a week? I could see it by the end of this, uh, by the end of wild card weekend, I mm -hmm. could see it being announced. Uh, yeah. Um, because they have the quarterback. They've got a pretty good defense, and they have the ability in this draft to go get a tight end, Brock Bowers, who would be a phenomenal addition to their offense, and you could literally recreate New England Patriot way in Los Angeles. Now, I'm not saying Justin Herbert 
is Tom Brady because he's clearly not. They're not the same player. But you have the makings of the same style of team that Belichick has won multiple championships with already sitting there in Los Angeles. And many of us thought that that is where Sean Payton wanted to be last year. And when they did not fire Brandon Staley, he said, well, I'll go to Denver. They'll give me the keys to the kingdom as well. And it's not a terrible consolation prize to just go to Denver. And of course, as we know, that's, that's a whole other thing we'll talk about on another podcast, probably because we're going to do one show. (laughs) um, We're going to do a show at some point where we're going to talk about the state of our teams and what we think they should have done differently over the last five seasons. Mm -hmm. And so that'll be an interesting thing to do. Um, kind of an NFL, uh, as Dave Damashek used to do a lot on the NFL Network. So I'm looking forward to doing that with you at a later date. But uh, Bill Belichick, I, I would think Atlanta or Los Angeles are the biggest pulls because they've got good weaponry uh, for him offensively. They're missing a quarterback in Atlanta, but I don't think it would be hard if Bill Belichick goes to Atlanta to convince someone to go sign and play in that weak division. Uh, I mean, Baker Mayfield made the playoffs this year and had a resurgence in his career in Tampa. And even before the Bill Belichick conversation started, we were hearing Kirk Cousins and the Falcons may have mutual interest. So, Mm -hmm. you know. Can you imagine Kirk Cousins with Drake London, B. John Robinson, and Kyle Pitts? That would be insane. Man, I'm glad I traded for Kirk Cousins. Um, we'll get to that in the miscellaneous portion of our show, though. There has been a wonderful accomplishment made that we'll talk about later. Um, anyways, second coach uh, opening is the Seattle Seahawks. They have mutually agreed as well to part ways with Pete Carroll. I don't think he's either of those to... were mutual. Well, and that's the funny thing. He's going to stay on in an advisory capacity in Seattle. Mm-hmm. That that never works, does it? No, no, I don't. I don't think so. I I'll save I'll save my comments for the end. Yeah, because there's a bit and there's of Mike Vrabel. Uh, yeah. Mike Vrabel was fired from Tennessee. Honestly, of all the coaches fired, he might be the most surprising as far as how young he is and the ability that he had when the Titans were able to keep A.J. Brown on the team, they were doing great. Since A.J. Brown is gone, they've had three losing seasons, and they're not in any way, shape, or form close to being what they were. So, Monica, what do you think about the Vrabel firing? I think pretty soon after it happened, I texted you with my thoughts, and it kind of felt like a reunion with New England is inevitable. However, he's got to be on the street. What I did not think about and what Twitter has reminded me of today in the craziness of Twitter, I'm I'm always going to call it Twitter by the way. Um yeah. But Jared Mayo is another possibility in New England. But that that would be such a dumpster fire, wouldn't it? It would be it wouldn't it would be very entertaining, but well yeah, I, but he has no head coaching experience. That that just no. makes no sense that they do that. I think I really think Vrabel is the guy. 
So I think you're right. I don't, I think that'll also be something announced by the end of this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one on the list is the Washington commanders. Uh, they have fired Ron Rivera and this is long overdue. Um, in fact, Jack yeah. Del Rio went basically went after the front office. And I, I'm assuming in, in parlay with that would be Ron Rivera when he said, what do you expect us to do when we trade two, you know, incredible defenders away? What do you want me to do with that? I didn't decide mm-hmm. to trade them. Um, yeah. <laughs> at any rate. <laughs> Next on the list is the Atlanta Falcons. They have fired Arthur Smith. Um, if you play Dynasty Fantasy Football and you have Kyle Pitts, Drake London, B. John Robinson, rejoice. The yeah. witch is dead. He is gone. You don't have to worry anymore. Watch him yes. become the Steelers' next offensive coordinator. <sighs> that would be, you know, just par for the course. Um, it really does seem like, though, right now, Arthur Blank wants to win a Super Bowl in his lifetime. He knows the division is weak. Even with Arthur Smith doing terrible, they were still in a position to win the division at 8-9 and nine if it hadn't been for Tampa Bay winning their game and the Saints beating the Falcons. All of the teams... It, like well, not all the teams. Three of the teams in in the division were in it on the last day. The Panthers were the only one that only team that wasn't right. correct. That's right. So That's I mean, insane. they're in a very weak division. All they need is a quarterback and a coach that knows how to distribute the ball to his playmakers. Instead of saying, "Well, Tyler Algier was giving us a good look in practice all week, so we didn't want to play Bijan Robinson today. So why'd you spend the number seven overall pick on him then?" That makes sense. Really, they could go they they could just go with like a game manager type, a Kirk Cousins, for example. Mm-hmm. And if all he does is just manage the game, then they're in a good they're in a good spot. Well, and um their draft pick in twenty twenty four, they're picking at number eight. So let's let's think that through for just a second. We don't want to belabor the point. We want to move on. But at number eight, there's at least four quarterbacks coming out in this year's draft that are draftable. So mm-hmm. you could even kind of do an Aaron Rodgers thing in Green Bay where you take a guy with Kirk Cousins on your team, knowing that Kirk has a two-year deal that's, you know, $85 million guaranteed or whatever mm-hmm. over those two seasons, 42, 42 and a half or whatever each year. You could do that and then still get a Jaden Daniels. You could get a Bo Nix if you wanted to overdraft him at number eight. I mean, that's a possibility. Michael Penix would be in play there if you wanted to take him and let him sit behind somebody and groom. Atlanta and uh, New England have to be one of the most desirable other than the Chargers because they have high draft picks too. These aren't teams that, you know, they had a bad season. They barely missed the playoffs. Atlanta is number eight overall, mm-hmm. and uh, the Chargers are number five, I believe, overall, and then the Patriots are number three overall. So those are those are some good ones. And the Chargers are the next one on the list, uh, long overdue. Brandon Staley, I don't even remember how this guy hired. Like when I watched him the first couple of seasons, I thought, where did he come from? It is, he should have been fired a long time ago. Yeah. You remember ago. when he said, I'm going to be calling the defenses, so you don't have to worry about that. And then they came out and gave up 63 points to the Raiders on Thursday night football. 
And yeah. giving up 63 of the Raiders is bad in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But when you when you, when you saw Twitter that night, uh, everyone was like, I wonder who's going to be calling the defenses now. And then other people would chime in like, it's Brandon Staley. He was very clear about it. He will be calling the defenses. Um, then, of course, uh, Frank Reich, hopefully the Steelers offensive coordinator. Uh, that would be a good, I think, a good hire. I think he's better in that role. He's not a head coach. Um, he didn't get a very good, jo- did, didn't do a very good job in Indianapolis and he did not do a good job in Carolina and Carolina as a whole right now is a dumpster fire. Uh, Tepper was caught throwing a drink on a Jaguars fan. Yeah. If you didn't fired. bring that up, I was going to bring that up. That was wild. Did you watch that clip? Yeah, I did. I mean, and it wasn't like he threw it at a guy that was antagonizing him in his face. No. It was he a guy who was sitting down. Yeah. And the guy uh, was sitting down. Like, it, there was no threat to no threat to Tepper at all. And, you know, Tepper, um, he actually was a former minority owner of the Steelers, so kind of glad he's gone. Um, but the next one, the Vegas Raiders, of course, fired Josh McDaniels. Here's what's going to happen. Vrabel's going to go back to New England and call the defense. McDaniels will come back and call the offense, and it would not surprise me in the slightest if they somehow, some way, found a, an opportunity to move up to one and take Caleb Williams. Well, I know that this is going to overlap with something we're going to talk about in a minute, but he still hasn't declared. True, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's it's just a formality, but he still has not yeah. declared. And then we'll go through these ones very quickly. Uh, the coordinator openings, Giant, Link Martindale, parted ways on January the 10th. Uh, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, Luke Getze for the Bears, was also fired on January the 10th. Mike Caldwell for the Jaguars was fired on January the 8th. The Washington Commanders fired Jack Del Rio on November 24th, shortly after he made some comments about some players that they were losing. Uh, he was let go. Hmm. On November 21st, a day that will be celebrated annually, the Pittsburgh Steelers fired Matt Canada. Um, it was thankfully. the perfect. Uh, it was the perfect birthday present for you know a special person. Mm-hmm. That's right. Adam Shane had really a wonderful birthday that day. Did you uh, tell the Steelers him? have since. I did. I mean, the Steelers have since you know moved on from Kenny Pickett. We'll talk about that on on our special show we do. Uh, does not look like he's going to be the starting quarterback at least the rest of this season. Uh, very possibly even into the next. Buffalo Bills also fired Ken Dorsey on November the 14th, and Mick Lombardi was fired November 1st from the Las Vegas Raiders as an offense coordinator. So all the head coaching openings, I think most desirable job has to be the one that already has a quarterback figured out, and that's Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. After that, the next one has to be New England because they have the easiest path to get a quarterback. And then get some skill positions because one of the things that New England does do well here is they also get to get a new GM and some new blood because Belichick has been the GM for a long time and he has not done very well in that role the last three to five years uh, ever since a guy named Tom Brady left. Well, the third most likely job that people are going to be sought after and looking for would have to be the Falcons. Mm -hmm. And I would not be surprised. I will make a prediction, and then we'll move on. Falcons will hire um, 
Vrabel, Belichick. Let's just that's that's what I'm going to say. It's one of those two. Okay. New England. If if Vrabel doesn't go to Atlanta, he's going to New England. Chargers are going to probably hire Belichick. At yeah. the very least, they'll hire Belichick. But one of those three teams in New England, I think, is going to hire an offensive-minded guy. They had Bill for years, defensive-minded. If he if he doesn't hire Vrabel, I would not be surprised to see Robert Kraft say, hey, that guy in Cincinnati, the offensive coordinator, and that guy in uh, Detroit, the offensive coordinator, I don't care what he costs, we need an offensive-minded guy. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if we saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, the coordinator positions, I think you'll see a lot of the leftover play uh, coaches going there, you know, to the coordinating positions. Like I said, I would like to see the Steelers sign Frank Reich. I think he would do a good job with our offense. I think he did a great job in that role when he was in Philadelphia. Uh, and we have a very similar style of players right now. We just have mm-hmm. to get a quarterback in the tools to do it. But that's the first thing we want to talk about. Anything you want to say before we move on to the NCAA? No, I've just been sitting here constantly refreshing my Twitter feed because I'm waiting on, you know, to see. I really honestly think some of these moves are going to happen while we're in talking. the next 24 to 48 hours, and I'm just dying to see it happen. So. Yeah. Well, let's get to the biggest news of college football. You ready? Uh, okay. Egbuka. Amika Egbuka returns to Ohio State. And Judkins, running back from Ole Miss, transfers in the portal to the Ohio State University with the obvious pending sanctions coming to Michigan. I don't care what people say. You do not have your head coach suspended for three games and just get away with that. He There's going to be something He else. ended up being suspended for six because it was three and then three again. That's right. So he's missed six games. They, they're mm-hmm. not going to be able to, to hide that. And what he said the night they won the national championship, uh, we stood strong and tall because we knew we were innocent. Get out of here. You No, you did not no. know you were innocent. You're trying to d- overlook this and – Everybody that's a Michigan fan right now, enjoy this while you can because I have a sneaking feeling that it's going to be taken from you. As an Ohio State fan, I got to say this, kick rocks. I am so happy that it might be taken from you because you were absolutely dreadful before Connor Stallions. Your record was not good. You were not a good team. Mm-hmm. After Connor Stallions, you're like 40-3. and three. And someone was saying, this team was so bad during the COVID year, but they developed their players better than anybody else. And I'm thinking, or they get lucky because they have all these signs and signals. And it's not that they were able to figure out a sign during a game and they say, hey, every time they hold that up, it's a run to the right. They knew it was a run to the right before they did it. That's That's not gamesmanship. That's cheating. But... The Ohio State University, Egbuka returning makes a lot of sense to me. I'll, I'll speak on this more so as a, a state fan. I'll let you do some cleanup duty here with it. But Egbuka returning tells me he wants to be a number one pick next year as a wide receiver. He wants to be a first-rounder. He would not have been that this year. Right. Now, you can argue, though, in the case of, like, George Pickens, maybe you don't want to be a first-round wide receiver and get your money up front. Maybe you'd rather go to a team that is actually going to compete in the playoffs better because 
the more marketable you are as a player, the more money you're going to make in commercials and other things as well going down the line. So, mm-hmm. but I understand. And I, th- I think the Ohio State transfers as well as the recommits, if you will, that are not declaring mm-hmm. tells me that there is a sneaking suspicion in their mind too, that they think Michigan's going to be sanctioned and that they're not going to be eligible to go to certain things. So Ohio state has a very clear path now. What, what has interested me the most about that and what I've been watching the most is they haven't touched the quarterback position yet. I mean, I guess, Technically, they have because they got Howard. Let's go. That's not really a change over Kyle McCord. It's not really a change. And so, honestly, I really think that they're banking on, you know, somebody, somebody big. Transferring. Archie Manning. So, in order for him to transfer, his coach would have to leave at this point. See, that's so not fair. Because I think Quinn Ewers can't stand Manning, and that's why he's staying another year. We'll go ahead and talk about that real quick, because it's it's within this area that we have to talk about it. Quinn Ewers has declared that he's staying another year at Texas which makes no sense for him whatsoever. He would be a first-round pick this year. Uh, da, 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 da. I, I am going to disagree with you. Okay. Have you looked at the 2025 quarterback prospects? No, not just yet. Spencer Rattler, though, is going to go first overall, obviously. It goes... <laughs> okay. Let me see if I can get it Was pulled it up. Shador Sanders. It had Shador Sanders, Carson Beck, Drew Aller. What about Jackson Dart? He wasn't listed. Would he be though? Is he a junior next year? He he will probably come out next year. Yeah. The list is not. It's not. It's not as deep compared to this one, and so. While I think yes, he would be a first round pick this year, he he's gonna have to go against Jaden Daniels, Caleb Williams, JJ McCarthy, Michael Penix. I mean, he's gonna have to go all, against all those guys when next he'll have to go against if he, you know, closed out in 2025, Shore Sanders, Jackson Dart. You know, it's the the class is not as deep in twenty-five as it is in 24. And so I get it. I don't agree with it, but I get it. My argument, I guess, counter on that would be Egbuka going back makes sense. You know, he's got to improve his draft stock. Right. You're Quinn Ewers. You are getting close to SEC football. Mm -hmm. You are gambling quite a bit. If you think that just because you beat Alabama once, that you're guaranteed to look just as good all season long as you did this year. And if he goes into the SEC next year, because here's the gamble, and he's he's betting on himself, but here's the gamble. He comes out this year, he's a shoe in to be drafted by the Falcons. 
or to be traded up by for somebody. Because somebody like even Pittsburgh would look at that and go, let's go get him. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Let's go get him. If he goes to the SEC and plays well, then he's he's going to be the first round pick, probably first overall shoe in. Mm-hmm. But if he struggles, if he has a Jalen Milrow type season, or if he struggles to the point of he has a decent season, the record is good, but his touchdowns are not as high as they thought they'd be. If if he has twenty touchdowns, um, ten interceptions, he's not a first overall pick. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. But if he comes in and he's twenty seven touchdowns, ten picks, that's more likely to take place. But if he plays terribly, if he's Bo Nix type quarterback in mm-hmm. the SEC, he's not a first overall pick anymore. He may not even be a first rounder. You could talk about him being a Kenny Pickett, Will Levis type quarterback, where maybe someone overdrafts him and he gets lucky and is actually going to play well in, on the next level, or he falls into the second round like Will Levis did last year, this past draft, and a team trades up to get him. And even still, it worked out for Levis for sure because he's playing well in Tennessee and is probably going to be the corner piece for the next two years. Mm-hmm. But it didn't work out for Kenny Pickett. I mean, and again, we'll talk about that on another show, but I look at Quinn Ewers and I think if it's about maximizing the amount of money that you can get, this year's draft is a really good path for that because Drake May has a lot of question marks all of a sudden because teams have been very open and honest in saying, we value the players who go to the playoff higher. Mm. So, J.J. McCarthy, to my knowledge, has yet to declare whether he's coming back or going to the draft. Right. But if J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix, um, Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels are all available, and you throw Quinn and Ewers into the mix, Quinnen's going to have, or Quinn, whatever his name is, he's going to have a higher, higher draft stock than even Jaden Daniels would have as a Heisman winner because mm-hmm. he lost in a shootout to a team in Washington that if Texas had a better defense, they probably could have manhandled them like Michigan did. Or if they knew what plays they were running. I and if, um, um, if uh, Washington would have got called for holding all the times that they held, but, you know. Exactly. So I I see what you're saying, and I don't disagree that if he plays well, he could be the first overall pick. I also think uh, he is gambling severely with his NFL future because all it takes is him having a down season. Because even as great as Bo Nix has looked at Oregon, no one's really talking about him being a first-round pick. However, with this NIL deal, he could potentially, especially at Texas, especially at Texas, he could get more money right this year at Texas than he could as a late first-rounder. You're right, but as the eighth overall pick, including the fact that he would have all the marketing deals as well open to him in that area in Atlanta, where you get to play. Think about this. You have the Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne story there because he gets to go Mm -hmm. play with Bijan. And you know that that was electric. You know that worked out well for him. Um, So I don't know. I think it's a gamble, and maybe Atlanta doesn't take a quarterback this year. They sign Kirk Cousins, and maybe Kirk's not very healthy. They struggle again. But what what team is going to have the number one overall pick next year 
that you're going to actually feel confident in him being their guy. Because I think some of these kids, their agents don't do a very good job for them when it comes to staying in college. Because whoever's convinced him to stay in college has basically sold him a bill of goods that you'll be fine next year. Okay, what if he goes to Carolina? What if that's the type of team that he gets on? No wide receivers, no running game, no tight end, terrible offensive line. Bryce Young looks like a scrub right now, and he's not. He's not but he's, at all. He's in the worst possible setup that you could possibly have, and if that's what Quinn gets, he's not as good as Bryce Young, I don't think. I think if you put Bryce Young on that Bama team this year, they win the championship. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's just one of those – he's banking on having a higher set next year, but I look at some teams like I wouldn't think the commanders would be able to give him what he needs. If they're a number one pick next year and they're, they're in the running for that. I wouldn't think that that the Patriots would have the weapons if they decided this year to forego taking a quarterback and they're going to try to build their team up in other areas. And they Mm -hmm. take like Marvin Harris then at three and then a Bo Nix in the third round to see if he's good. That's a possibility. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think I think also some of this has to do with he doesn't want Manning to be able to break any of his, you know, seasonal records just yet. He wants to try to get another year cuz if I understand correctly, Manning's a freshman this year. Yes. So next year he's a sophomore. Manning's lost 2 years of eligibility because of this. Um cuz he lost this past year. Did he lose it or did he redshirt? I don't know if he redshirted or not. Because what I'm I'm getting at is he's he's not going to be able to go out as a junior, right? He won't have enough tape. Mm, No, but I don't know if he would have lost. The redshirt rule is you can only appear in four games. So as long as he appeared in four or less games, he has the ability to count that as a redshirt rule. What a retro year, which would go, which would, as far as like the three years out of high school, that would count. But he could, he could still get two years of stats. I guess that's true. I struggle to think that he wants to play into his senior year. You Maybe, know, but he's I a mean, Manning. He's if gonna, it, he's if gonna it's going to the to, NFL. If it's going to put him on the same track as, you know, his family, then why not? True. All right. Let's talk about the NFL again before we jump to our final, final big topic. That is, of course, Pete Carroll uh, stepping aside from the Seattle Seahawks. So we'll talk about that in just a few moments. Um, First, Monica, we have to say this since we're talking about the playoffs. It's important to talk about teams that have been incredibly successful. You know, much to do about the Michigan Wolverines going 15-0, and the Washington Huskies. Is that – are they Huskies? Is that – am I right? Yeah. yeah. Going 14-1. and one. Uh, Every now and then, somebody in life rises above and just absolutely exudes excellence. And uh, I finally did that this past season in our good guys league, fantasy football. <laughs> Um, 28, no. Uh, and just so people listening are like 28, no, how's that possible? We do a league median matchup too, where 
you have all of the teams that week average together and whatever points they scored collectively. If you score higher than that, you win a matchup. You score lower than that, you lose a matchup. And if you score right a, right on point with that matchup, you tie. I found that out uh, because in our best ball league, Jamison and Bradley and I tied twice because of the league median. Oh, wow. Um, but I digress. Uh, I managed this year to go undefeated in four leagues and won the championship in those four. Um, and I also won a championship in the best ball league and lost a redraft league that I didn't even make my first three draft picks, but I still managed to make it to the championship. So um, I think I'm going to say all of that, and then I'm going to let you briefly talk about whether or not I could give good advice when it comes to fantasy football um, because I don't want to continue to pat myself on the back. My arm's starting to hurt. So, uh, Monica, <laughs> I'm really not this mean or, or this, you know, self-absorbed, I promise. Uh, Monica, what do you have uh, as thoughts on my performance this year? That way it does not come from me. How do you think I did? Well, I would say that uh, 28 no kind of speaks for itself a bit. True. Um, but I do think that you made some key changes in your philosophy this year. And so to a point you were willing, like you had been really good all this time. And then you were humble enough to go, okay, I need to make some changes to get better. And you did it. So I was sick of, I was very much sick of being like Peyton Manning, you know, really good regular season, couldn't get it done in the playoffs. And mm -hmm. when you take Denver and their, their one Super Bowl run out of it and the one Super Bowl he won in Indianapolis, the rest of Peyton Manning's playoff career was not very good. Um, even the two Super Bowls they went they went to, uh, they didn't lose close games in those two. Uh, uh, you know, they lost 43-8, unfortunately, in that Seahawks Super Bowl, and they lost 31-17 in the – Super Bowl against the Saints, neither one of them were that close at the end of it. And they were key mistakes yeah. that Peyton made that really hurt their team and kept them from being able to win it all. So I, I was kind of fed up with that. I finally kind of looked at everybody's strategy and morphed into a new strategy that we'll see if it can go, you know, two in a row. I teased Megan the other night that I have gone 300 and, or no, Marissa, I teased Marissa the other night. I, I, I've gone 380 something days without losing in that league now. That's a long so time. So hopefully, hopefully I can make it a million days. Um, I will live forever if that happens. <laughs> I do have another, I in refreshing my Twitter feed, there was something that I that came up that I thought about. I wanted to get your opinion on. Um, okay. There is a, Supposedly, mutual interest between the Raiders and Jim Harbaugh. See, I've heard that too, and I would not be surprised. Here's here. I'll say this, and then we can move on to the playoff teams for the NFL. Okay. If Harbaugh leaves mm -hmm. after what we're going to talk about at the end of this show has happened and left mm -hmm. a wide-open hole right now in a lot of people's minds because who we thought they were going to get, evidently they're not getting – um, if Harbaugh leaves, it's because he knows mm -hmm. something's going to happen. Yeah. And if Harbaugh leaves and JJ McCarthy leaves and everybody that's not 
required to leave if they then leave in either the transfer portal or if they left because Harbaugh would have gone, been gone, so they would have the eligibility to then up and leave as well. If they go somewhere with whether it's in the NCAA or in general they declare for the draft, those that are eligible to, that will let you know everything you need to know about mm-hmm. whether they think sanctions are coming on yeah. their team. And Reggie Bush, nobody calls him a Heisman winner that really wants to talk about it being taken from him. Mm-hmm. Even though you could argue Reggie Bush had the most unfair, you know, sanction given to him because it it was wrong for him not to be able to do what he was doing. Right. But he was breaking the rules and therefore lost his Heisman. Nobody really talks about him unless you're trying to be cheeky as a Heisman winner because they know he lost it. Mm-hmm. So I I think if you see Harbaugh declare that he's the NFL, which he hired an agent that only deals with NFL coaches. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of telling too. One one of my friends texted me after Michigan won the national championship and she said, How you feeling? And I was like, uh, I'm I'm a little bit annoyed right now, but I was like, I'll be laughing my head off if this uh if this national championship gets vacated though. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just like, uh, it feels weird now, but I think it would be hilarious if it got vacated. Oh, for sure. Speaking of playoffs, how in the world did the Steelers, Browns, Bucks, and Texans do it? How did they do it? How, at one point, the Steelers were six and three. They lose to the Cleveland Browns. They're six and four. They win the next game. They go seven and four, and then they go seven and seven. And they make a change at quarterback, put in Mason Rudolph, and Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, manages to sneak the Steelers into the playoffs here in a wild-card game this weekend against the Buffalo Bills. The Cleveland Browns have a similar story in that injuries decimated them left Mm -hmm. and right. But here they are with Joe Flacco, 38, 39-year-old Joe Flacco, elite Joe Flacco, leading them into the postseason so like impressive in his performance that he he's taking naps during Thursday night football. I don't know if you saw that clip or not, but he was literally falling asleep. They were up by so much on the jets, his mm-hmm. former team that he, you know, went off to dreamland. Um, they have all this stuff happening. The Buccaneers, the same thing. When they signed Baker Mayfield, did any of us other than, I think I said that I thought they could make the playoffs, but I didn't, I don't think I made a big prediction about it. Mm. Anybody really think Baker was going to lead them to the playoffs? And play as well as he's played. And then the Texans, who picked it number two overall. They were so bad. They picked it number two overall. They then made a subsequent trade to get number three. And a lot of us, when we saw Daniel Jeremiah say that they were even going to do that, thought, okay, if that happens, that's a mistake. Why? Why would they give up all that just for two players? They're in the playoffs Mm -hmm. and they have a home playoff game against the Browns. Steelers go on the road to the Bills. Buccaneers have the ability to play a home playoff game against the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night. Monica, what's going to happen this weekend? Give me your predictions because I'll tell you what I think will happen, but I want to hear it from you first. Okay, so kind of going back a little bit, I was watching the Texans-Colts game 
And I was rooting for sheer chaos in that game. Like I wanted to be as yeah. hectic as possible because I thought that'd be really entertaining. It'd be a tie. <laughs> I was just rooting for sheer chaos. And so the Colts are driving down the field and they're like rushing Jonathan Taylor. And that's all they're doing. All they're doing, Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor. And then they get down to a fourth down. And I believe, weren't they? I think they were in the red zone. Yep. It was fourth down and not that many. And they call a timeout and they take Jonathan Taylor out. And I was like, Oh, well, you know what's happening now. The Colts are going to lose. I, the Texans were one really bad decision away from not making it to the playoffs. Yeah. And they, there was 188 yards of offense by Jonathan Taylor that, that night. Mm. And on fourth and one, fourth and one, they decided to pass to Tyler Goodson. Now, poor Tyler Goodson. The ball hit him in the hands, and he dropped it, and that happens to the best of us. It's frustrating if you're a Colts fan. I get it. But after the game, he was like in tears, and he said – He was was still behind the line. My mom and daddy are the only ones that are going to talk to me now is what he said. If if I remember correctly, he was still behind the line of scrimmage at that point, and so he would have still had to turn and go. So, But no one was within 10 yards of him. Like, I don't think was anyone was open. thinking. I don't think anybody. That's exactly why they did it. It was a great play design, mm-hmm. but you still should have Jonathan Taylor out there. Even if they think he's going to run the ball, you don't take your best player. That'd be like if the, the Kansas City Chiefs said, fourth and goal, one yard to go. Hey, take Mahomes out and put in Chad Henney. He's a really good sneaker. No one would do that. That would never yeah. happen. Or even, if you even take it to the Steelers, they wouldn't take out Najee Harris on fourth and one at the yeah. goal line to go and put in Jalen Warren. And Warren is a great running back. But it Shane Steichen, he's going to have to live with that decision because Jonathan Taylor would have caught that ball. And they would have been at least in the mix of continuing to go on and maybe win that game. I was absolutely shocked that they took Jonathan Taylor out. I was shocked. But so give me your Texans Browns prediction. I think you know the joke that the NFL is scripted. You couldn't have scripted yep. the playoffs any better. Like True. if it was if the NFL was legit scripted, this is what you would do. You would have the Texans going against the Browns who they traded Deshaun Watson to, and Deshaun Watson's not even going to play. It's beautiful. I love sports. Um, I honestly, I believe in the Texans against the Browns. I do too, and it, it it's further confirmed by this. Did you see what happened today? Um, uh, The corner, what's his name? Yep. The corner got injured. I, Denzel Ward is Denzel now Ward. questionable for Saturday. And he hurt his knee today. And usually when you hurt your knee in practice, it's not good. Mm-mm. Rarely do you hurt your knee in practice and then everything's fine the next day. Right. Um, <laughs> right. So um, I, I, I will agree with you. I'm going to pick the Texans as well. Okay. Now let's point out the next game on Saturday 
which, as you said so eloquently, if the NFL were truly scripted, they could not have scripted it any better because there's literally deep-seated blood hatred in a lot of these games for one way or another. Browns and Texans, Browns trade for Deshaun Watson, Texans get C.J. Stroud. Texans look so much better right now than Cleveland does. Now, Cleveland, of yeah. course, sat their starters. They probably would have won 12 games if they played their starters against the, the, the Bengals, but they sat their starters and lost, and that happens. Yeah, It's for that reason, though, that I'm going to pick against them mm-hmm. because I think they're going to come out flat. You can't do that. I don't know when the NFL will learn, but I don't know if any team not named Kansas City right now has truly won a Super Bowl having rested all their starters in the final week of the regular season. Um, anyways, I agree. Texans over the Browns. Then you have Dolphins at the Chiefs. Now, this game is projected weather-wise to be uh, negative. Well, no, it went up. It was it projected to be negative five. It was projected it to be negative five. And now it is projected to be one degree. Um, Kansas City has a chance to actually have Tyreek Hill come to Kansas City and mm-hmm. to beat him in the playoffs. And apparently, he went after them. Uh, I don't know to what degree, but he took some jabs at Mahomes and Kelsey, apparently. Mm-hmm. Monica, I know how you want to vote this. I get it. Yeah. But what, do you, I, what does your heart tell you? I'm trying to be as um, as honest as possible with, you know, how I go with this. I Do you remember that game? It was the, was it the Patriots and the Bills where there was only like four passes the entire game? Yeah. Yeah. I really feel like it's last like, year, right? I think it was last year. I really think that it's going to be this game is going to be similar. And because of that, I think the Chiefs will win. Yeah, Pacheco is going to probably have a lot more of a workload than normal. Mm-hmm. Um I think Kansas City also will beat the Dolphins. Sorry, Bradley, but your team is uh not quite there just yet. No. Which brings us to Sunday and probably our first disagreement. Um, <laughs> the Steelers and the Bills. What you got? I was hearing that this game might be moved to another stadium because of um, the weather that's expected in Buffalo this week. Might go to Cleveland. That would be interesting. I advantage Steelers if it does because we play there once a year. I I'm I'm thinking if it moves that gives an advantage to the Steelers, but I think the Steelers luck runs out. Yeah. But I'll say I this. don't think it's but I think it's closer. I don't think it's a blowout. I think it's close. A 17-14, 17-16 type of game. Yeah. I'm gonna, and this will be the only game I make a score prediction for. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the Steelers, twenty to seventeen. Minka's mm-hmm. back, and Minka magic has not happened all season. He mm-hmm. has had one of the worst seasons, just 
not because of him. He's just had injuries all season. He broke his hand and was still out there playing with a club on. His hand is fully healed now, if I understand correctly. Yeah. His knee is fully healed from his injury on December 16th. He's he's ready, I think, mm-hmm. to come back and to play. And I would not be surprised with the turnover-happy Josh Allen if he makes a late mistake and the Steelers are able to – if somehow, someway that defense keeps us in there and we run the ball, I think we could win 20-17. to 17. Mm-hmm. If – we had TJ Watt. I think both of us would probably bookmark that we would win because we yeah, just have that defense. The the TJ Watt thing is kind of what pushed me over the edge against the Steelers. Yeah. Because I have no faith in the Bills right now, but I feel like the injuries are mounting up too much in Pittsburgh at the moment. So I Every think game it'll but be one close. over their last five. Every game but one over their last five in Buffalo has been decided by six points or less. Good grief. Seven seven points or less, excuse me, because they did beat the they did beat the Dolphins by a touchdown. Mm-hmm. But they beat the Dolphins set seven points, six points against New England and their atrocious atrocious, you know, team. Then they beat the Chargers only by two. By wow. two. They beat Dallas by 21 at home. And they barely beat Kansas City 20 to 17 in that famous, you know, Patrick Mahomes crybaby in game. Um, so I I think the Steelers have a better path right now to the playoffs in the AFC than any other team because if they win this game, they go to Baltimore. And if we've proven anything, we've proven that we do play well in Baltimore. We have not lost in Baltimore right. since 2019. Mm-hmm. So We've we've lost more games in Pittsburgh over the last three seasons than we have in Baltimore, mm-hmm. and that's just one. But we're seven and one over the last eight games we played the Ravens, so wow. we've got an opportunity if we could beat the Ravens. If we do beat Buffalo, I could see us beating Baltimore, but the luck I think would run out because we either run into Kansas City or we run into Miami or Cleveland, um, and I just don't think we beat either of those teams. So. I think the Cinderella story could end, but I'll, I'll say this, and then we'll move on to the next game uh, very quickly because I think we'll both we'll both agree on these last two, and then we'll get to the big news. Um, well, you there you was have been uh, you haven't buried the lead on that one though. To be honest, the big news. So everybody You're knows right. what it is. It, it's it's that uh, Brandon Staley is going to be calling the defenses for the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine if they hired him as defensive coordinator and said, well, he's got to call the defenses. He's been very clear about that. Um, anyways, um, there was a Steelers team in 2005, mm-hmm. 19 years ago. That is crazy, by the way, 19 years ago, that lost three in a row and basically had to win the last four games for them to even have a shot. Mm-hmm. They did that. And then they had to go on the road the entire playoffs. They were the sixth seed, the last Mm -hmm. seed possible. And they did that. And they beat teams they had no business beating. And then they got to the Super Bowl. And according to one of my great friends, Dan Cates, they got lucky and the refs stole it for them. No, take out the Big Ben touchdown and it's still 14-10. Pittsburgh wins. Sorry about that. Um, This team does kind of remind me of that 05 Steelers team 
Mm-hmm. Now, whether they do it or not, I doubt. I like them a lot. I love them. I'll be cheering for them. It's just hard for me to see the Steelers winning this game against Buffalo. Because think of the quarterbacks we have to play. Josh Allen, then Lamar, and then more than likely Mahomes. That's murderer's row for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And that's just to get to the Super Bowl. Then you you don't even factor in. You got to play either the 49ers again, who you know, spanked you in week one. You'd have to play... Dak Prescott, which won't happen, but or Jalen Hurts or any of these other, you know, everybody that we would have to play in that fourth matchup. There, there's not a single quarterback that on the NFC side outside of Baker Mayfield that I would be excited to see. Mm-hmm. So, I do think our luck does run out this Sunday. But the homer in me that was only two games off on my prediction, by the way, if it weren't for that stinking, uh. Cardinals Patriots games, I would have been right that they were 12 and 5. Coincidentally, that would have made us the seed that Cleveland is. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Um, I do think that our luck uh runs out. I, I agree. So while I've been down to pick up my headphone thing that popped off, Packers Cowboys, what's your prediction? Packers. I legitimately really? I, I I think it's gonna be the Packers. I just, I have a weird feeling about the Cowboys right now. I can't put it into words. I just, I just, I want to go for the Cowboys. I just feel very weird about them right now. I, I don't know if it's because I'm deep in the heart of Texas, but, um, I, I'm picking the Cowboys in that game. I'm surprised it's at home, you know. Maybe the Packers do what they've done in the past to the Cowboys and they beat them, but I don't know. I think Jordan Love in his first playoff game might make a couple of rookie mistakes, so to speak. Um, I, I, but I get the hesitation. I do. I, I mean, it is Dallas. It's the Cowboys. And it's in this one, it feels like a battle to who is, who is actually America's favorite team kind of thing. And I would rather it be the Cowboys than the Packers, but. I just, I don't know. I feel like I can't pick the Cowboys. I want to, but I can't. I got you. All right. Two games left. Let's do, let's save the the Sunday night game for last because it's got to be the one that we talk about. Okay. Eagles, Bucks. Eagles. I'm going to take the Buccaneers. And it's for this reason. Jalen Hurts has not been throwing at all this week since that finger injury. Yeah. And if he can't throw, I'll I'll make it this way. I guess I'll say it this way. If Jalen can't throw, I'm going to take the Buccaneers to win a physical game Mm -hmm. against them. They'll they'll outrun them, basically. Mm -hmm. If Jalen can throw, I think the Eagles do get it done. But if Jalen cannot throw, their whole offense is shot. They cannot run the ball very well. Um, So that's, that's my caveat there. All right. Rams and Lions. Matthew Stafford comes home. Jared Goff has to play his former team that cast him aside. And Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup. Right now, the matchup predictor says that there's a 53.9% chance that the Lions will win this game. But I legitimately don't know. I have been going back and forth on this one. 
forever. I have no idea. No I'm going to pick the Rams. And I love, if you listened to me earlier this season, you heard me you say I thought the Lions, the Lions were going to go to the Super Bowl. And I, I agree, and I think they could win this game, but I didn't project that the Rams would be a playoff team when I made those predictions. Mm-mm. And Matthew Stafford coming home to Detroit Field, that is the absolute, or Ford Field, sorry, the absolute best possible scenario for him to basically prove to Detroit, hey, maybe if you had kept me, we could have done this together. Mm -hmm. Because he has currently gotten the best of that trade. He won a Super Bowl. He was competitive the following year, even though they lost to the Buccaneers. He was competitive. They're back in the playoffs after a year where they were not very good, and they shouldn't be in the playoffs this year. They're 10-7. and They should not be 10-7. and They haven't lost since December the 10th against Baltimore on that overtime punt return touchdown that, by the way, had three illegal block in the backs happen. And they probably could have won that game. Yeah. I'm not bitter. It's fine. Um, But I I don't know. I I think they are going to – I think they're going to win this game, but I could see the Lions' atmosphere being so electric and so deafening that is a tight, tight game. I don't think it's a shootout. No, I I kind of want to I this will change in the next 30 seconds probably. But I'm gonna say Lions because the Lions are at home. I agree with that logic at least. I, I can see that, yeah. Uh, All right, Monica. Yeah. Here we go. I, I delayed it as long as I could. Yep. Nick Saban has retired. Yep. And today has stated that it has nothing to do with health issues. Um, as far as like illness is concerned, it had everything to do according to him as I couldn't take the grind as much as I used to where I, you know, you used to be able, he was quoted as saying, I used to be able to stay up until two, be back up at six. And just mm-hmm. hit the ground running like nothing happened. But I can't do that anymore. He, so, Monica. He said 14-hour days are a lot harder when you're 72. <laughs> right. So, talk me through this, though, because I want to hear your timeline of the events that unfolded and what your thoughts are. Because I'm going to say this as the podcast Bama hater, okay? Because that's that's my role. That's what I have to be. There's too many Bama fans that join with me. Okay. Um, so... <laughs> That's mainly because you're all my family. <laughs> I don't think he's telling the truth. I I just find it strange that the timeline that we know is he was meeting with potential assistant coaches that he would hire, took a two-hour break, and then as soon as he comes back from that break, he's resigning and retiring. That timeline seems fuzzy and funny to me. So I'm going to give some some venom for you to – to chew on and be upset with me for. And I'm going to now let you word vomit as much as you need to word vomit about what has happened, what your thoughts are. And is it true what Dan Lanning said today, or is that smoke and mirrors? Okay. So I'll just go over things from my perspective, I guess what happened yesterday. 
I, um, I was, you know, working and I saw, um, I, I saw the news and I, at first I didn't believe it. And then, so I immediately, immediately went to Instagram and looked at, uh, Saban's daughter's Instagram and she had posted, you know, it was true. And I was like, oh man, that's crazy. And I had always thought that when Nick Saban left, I would cry and be devastated. But really, all of my emotion in that moment was thankfulness. <laughs> like, thankful, so thankful that I got to experience 17 years of Nick Saban. Like, that was, mm-hmm. that's so cool. And I, you know, the one of the memories that kept coming back to my mind over and over and over, I'm really, really sorry to bring this up to you, Michael. I, this is not your favorite memory, but... Um, whenever we watched the Alabama Ohio State National Championship at your house, and after Alabama won, and we were all toasting with sparkling grape juice, and Adam kept wanting to do cheers. Yeah, that moment has gone through my head over and over and over and over. If I say I have replayed that moment thousands of times, I don't think I'm exaggerating. Like, I'm just so thankful for those, all of those moments. Like, it's so cool. Mm-hmm. You know, things Six that, of them, as far as winning is concerned, you know. And it, it's, and, you know, during the one against LSU, I was sitting on a couch at a friend's house, and her dad had made a joke with me because he's a Tennessee fan, like, oh, you know, you better not, you better not, uh, be rooting for Alabama in my house or whatever. So I sat on the couch and quietly watched it. You know, I just, I love it. Like, it's just so cool. And even, you know, the heartbreaks, even the, you know, the game that must not be named where I was sitting on a couch with fans of the evil blue and orange team. Um, Even games like that. I'm really, I'm just thankful for those experiences. Like, it's so cool. Uh, There's, that doesn't happen all the time. And it, to that degree, it may never happen again. And he coached for my team. He calls my team home. That's just, I'm just so thankful. It's just so cool. I love it. You know, the the one that is probably the most excited about this is that Coke bottle from the interviews. Um, those of you that don't know, there's an SEC shorts, I think, where they, think they so. made a joke about that Coke bottle and how it always felt so shunned and didn't feel loved. And then that one fateful day, Saban picked it up and said, I want you to ask this thing. It'll tell you. And he's like, he noticed me. I existed. <laughs> um, no, and I'll say this. We've come a long way, you and I, in the Saban era, too, because yeah. when we first met, you knew I didn't like Alabama, and we couldn't really necessarily talk about it. 
with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the day that I predicted the Ole Miss score when they would beat Alabama the first of two years and then didn't do anything after that as far as Ole Miss is concerned. But I remember when I said that, I, it was just like, you're crazy. There's no way. And I think I was at that time, we had the hardest time like talking to each other about sports because you didn't know me very well yet. No. And I didn't know you very well yet. And it was outlandish to suggest that Ole Miss was going to win those games. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I got lucky with both of those predictions, by the way. They were not, there was no inside knowledge that I had. But now we're at a point where it's like that national championship game that you're referencing, we were texting the entire time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember, but do you remember what I texted you when they kicked the field goal? instead of trying to go for a touchdown on fourth and five. You said it's over. I said ball game. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And I was right. It was There was nothing else because that was a night where Justin Fields, they had to do a shootout. If mm-hmm. they didn't go into a shootout, they were not going to win that game. And Because yeah. that was the Devontae Smith year. And mm-hmm. as, soon as, as soon as you concede, basically, we're going to kick a field goal and only go down by four. No, you're going to go down by 11. And mm-hmm. that's that's it. And that's exactly what happened. Um, as as maddening as Saban could be for a non-Alabama fan, um, you cannot deny the, the greatness of that coach. Uh, there's a couple of facts that I know. Number yeah. one, over his entire career, he averaged only two and a half losses per season. In, in all of his head coaching – over his entire of his career as a head coach, he never had yes. a losing season. Ever. Yes. Never had a losing season. Over what, now, like 28, 29 seasons? Yeah. And here's the other funny thing, too. No class recruited at Alabama by Nick Saban played four years without winning a national championship. That blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Because um, that is the thing that I – out of all of the things that he's accomplished, that is the one that I think will be the hardest for someone else to replicate. That will be the biggest and challenge. If, if I've counted correctly, um, he has had 19 head coaches from his coaching tree. That's if insane. I counted correctly. That's insane. And that that includes some that have even made it to the NFL level. Mm-hmm. You know. Um yeah. I I mean here's here's something crazy. His legacy and Bill Belichick's will always be tied together too, because yeah. they're very good friends. And yeah. they coached together in Cleveland when they were with Cleveland. There's a photo mm-hmm. I've got um somewhere i think i took a picture of it of them coaching together in cleveland and it is the craziest photo to look at because saban does not look young in that photo he looks did he have those like massive glasses yes yes corrective lenses like did he get lasik what did he do because i don't know maybe he switched to contacts like those glasses are huge well, let me ask you this, because we thought Dan Lanning yeah. was going to be the head coach. He was mm-hmm. uh, Apparently, people were saying he was flying in. 
to Tuscaloosa. He had shifted all of his meetings back by a couple hours. Those were some of the rumors that were flying around. And all of a sudden, Dan Lanning on the Pat McAfee announced uh, today, I saw the report come through on my phone at least, that he's staying in Oregon. Um, Mm -hmm. First of all, how do you turn that job down if he indeed was offered the job? And second of all, who are they going to get? What what's going to happen there? Is it possible that one of these NFL head coaches, if Rabel does not want to go back to the NFL for a while, could he go the route of Jim Harbaugh and go down to Tuscaloosa and do well? Is it possible that they're going to be able to poach Elaine Kiffin or somebody? Like, what do you what are your thoughts? You're more plugged in with Alabama than any other host on this network. So tell me, number one, why you think Lanning did not want to take the job and number two who is going to get the job and third point because we have to talk about it what is your prediction moving forward with the team like are they going to just not miss a beat or is there going to be a couple of struggle years so okay let let it let's go backward let's start at the end and work my way up i guess um I think that it's really funny that you say struggle years because to, and this is, this is a discussion you and I have had off the podcast mm-hmm. more times than I can count a struggle year for an Alabama, for an out for Alabama fan base, anything below 11 wins, everyone's going to freak out and think the sky is falling. Mm-hmm. Because they don't understand, because the Alabama fan base is not based in reality. When realistically, <laughs> realistically, if you can have someone who can get you nine, ten wins on a regular basis, that coach is elite. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get 11, 12 wins every season. And it's unreasonable to expect that. So you will probably hear the word failure tossed out, but I don't think that I don't think that there's going to be a failure. I don't think it's going to be a um a two, three loss type of deal because Alabama is just like I think that recruiting wise the jersey the the name on the front of the jersey recruits very well Mm -hmm. and so I don't think Alabama is going to go all the way down to the bottom but I don't think I don't think Alabama is going to stay where they are now which is fine. I'm still going to root for them. I'm still going to love the team. I'm still going to root for them. But I just, I think it'll be very interesting. The narrative will be different. And I think the narrative will be incorrect. Um, because yeah. people have such a skewed view. So, so what about the damn looming thing? Um, I don't know if he was ever offered the job. But I could, I think that he kind of used it as a recruiting ploy. Because did you watch the video that he posted? 
No. It, it said if you want to go to a place where the if you want to go to a place where you're not worried about the coach leaving, come to Oregon. Oh. It is I I don't know if he was actually offered the job. I thought he would be a really good hire if they were to offer it to him, but I think he just kind of used the opportunity of his name being thrown out there as oh, I'm going to use this for recruiting purposes. But I was listening to a um I was listening to some people some people in the know today and one person commented and said that they would be very interested in Dan Landing if he was 10 years older because right. they were concerned like he's what 36 37 37 37 and so this individual was concerned about a 37 year old dealing with the boosters, dealing with the media at Alabama, because that is going to be a greater issue than at Oregon. And so, and not saying that a 37-year-old isn't mature and can't handle pressure, but that's different. That's completely different. I got got a name for you before we get to who you think they're going to hire. And you're going to laugh at me, but it's a possibility. Would you say no to Mike Tomlin? Hmm. If the Steelers actually are serious in the rumor mill that there's a chance that Tomlin will either A, if we don't win this weekend and we if we get shellacked, mm-hmm. if we let him go, or he on his own, as some are reporting, says, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to leave for now. Would you say no to a Mike Tomlin-led Alabama team? No. I wouldn't, but... It would make me more likely to root for them. <laughs> I I wouldn't say no to it, but I do think he would have a little bit of a struggle Um, because he would have to be into recruiting a lot more, and I think that would be, that would be slightly difficult for him. Crazy um, enough, though? Everybody that's younger say he's such a player's coach and he works so much better with the younger players that it, mm-hmm. it almost makes me feel like if he weren't an NFL coach, I could see him in college. I hope he stays with the Steelers. I I, I think mm-hmm. the Steelers organization has to be a little bit more vocal in telling him, no, this you cannot keep guys for 10 years that are not good. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, we need to start seeing some people be groomed better by Mike Tomlin to be head coaches of their own because he has virtually no coaching tree mm-hmm. because there's no there's no Mike Tomlin coaching tree. But he does have the never had a losing season thing currently going for him as a head coach in the NFL. 17 seasons, no losses. Uh, losing seasons, that is. Um, mm-hmm. No losses would be phenomenal. Um, <laughs> but um, I guess that's the next and last question for the podcast today is, Who's it going to be? What are they going to do? Are they going to do it quickly or are they going to wait? What what kind of fallout will happen at the respective school if they were to go get like for example, if if somehow you know they got Sark, Manning could transfer. 
I, I think, I mean, even if it was Dan Lanning, I think that there's a lot of people who claim that they're fans of Alabama who would go, what? Who's that? Da, 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 da about it. Mm-hmm. I think that whoever it is, and I've heard some people who are very knowledgeable and very trustworthy say there is no way it's Lane Kiffin and there's no way it's Dabo. That's fine. I'm I'm happy with that. I think both of them are too immature. So I'm I'm good with it. But I think it's going to be someone that most of the fan base gives up because they don't think that this individual is good enough because of the impossible standards. Um, a name that I thought of when I was talking to uh, Jordan uh, Pugh earlier, we were talking about it. I had I texted him and said I needed to do a mental health check on him, losing his two favorite <laughs> coaches within 24 hours. Oh, and that's true. I hadn't thought of that yet. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan, man. So, Good luck, brother. Yeah. Oh. So I uh, texted him and checked on him. And we were just kind of chatting. And I just, it just kind of hit me while we were talking. Glenn Schumann, who is the defensive coordinator at Georgia right now, he's an mm-hmm. Alabama player. He was a GA at Bama. Um, and then he uh, went to. Uh, he went to uh, Georgia with Kirby. I almost said Kirby with Georgia. Went to Georgia with Kirby. And they paid him a lot of money. A lot of money to not hop back over to Alabama. I think that is a possibility. I also, one thing that I've been thinking about a lot this evening is Saban is going to stay with the program, essentially. He said he's going to get that office in Bryant-Denny, and he'll still be there to yell at the players. Cool, whatever, ha-ha. He's still going to be there, so I think that sets up an opportunity. Also, the fact that he was recruiting until the end, and this is why I have not been answering this, not answering your question, recruiting and interviewing till the very end, I think to me signals that this is going to be a extremely inexperienced or brand new rookie head coach because he will have his, he will still have his hand on the program. And then he's going to hire these really dynamic, like there's going to be really dynamic coordinators and all this to assist this young up and comer. That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm leaning towards. I may change my mind in five minutes. There may be something coming out, but that's kind of what I'm thinking right now. Do you think that Sark is a crazy idea? No. And here's here's what I'm wondering because let's just let's just play the game for a minute. He said it had nothing to do with the NIL as well, and I I'll respect that. I. I do think Saban struggled more when the NIL came to be 
but that's not because Saban's unwilling to use it. I just think Saban is more focused on recruiting mm-hmm. and t- getting talent homegrown and buying into the program than just saying, we're going to throw as much money as you want at you. And but he let's just notoriously play this. did not give people a lot of money in NIL because, well, you deserve, you like, you need to right. prove it. So let me just paint a picture. Let's say Sark gets hired from Texas. Okay. That opens the portal for Texas players. Mm-hmm. I know it I sounds think, crazy. I think you're about to say what Jordan said to me earlier. Continue. But wouldn't it be hilarious if Manning then transferred to Alabama? That's what Jordan said. And yep. it, well, and I, I mean, I don't think it'll happen. But if it did, I think Manning would immediately transfer to Ohio State. I think he would immediately go somewhere else yeah. because he wants to play. I yeah. think he would immediately go to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I imagine that legacy. Well, you know, I think he he's not leave. he's not going to go to Tennessee because Nico. I'm a whatever his name is. Oh yeah, I'm a something. But I, I something. do think Ohio State would take him. Oh, Ohio State would take him in a heartbeat. Um, he should have entered the transfer, but I think he—I wonder if Quinn Ewers told him he was going to wait and then leaned toward leaving and then decided to stay. How, how upset do you think that Arch and the Mannings are that Quinn? committed to Texas, went to Ohio State, and then came back to Texas. If they would, if he would have stayed with Ohio State, they wouldn't have this issue. Yep. And Ohio State probably would have been in the playoff. I think mm-hmm. Quinn is a much better quarterback than McCord was. Or, you know, C.J. Stroud, of course, was a really great one that just unfortunately didn't win because they were being cheated against. But I digress. Um, so I think there's an opportunity – if Sarkeesian is the guy, and I think he's the best guy, because there's a part of me that thinks, just like we said with Belichick, go get an offensive-minded coach. Mm-hmm. You've had, and if Saban's still going to be there, especially doing anything, you got the defensive mind there still there. Mm-hmm. You basically get to have Saban handle the defense and be there for whatever advisory-type package he's going to do, and Sarkeesian can really focus on making that offense better because, let's be real, your offense, this past season was terrible compared mm-hmm. to what you've been used to and that has to be changed and I think Saban was never really a guy that cared about that because he's won so many national championships with Blake Sims and yeah. what's his face it's Coker uh, you mm-hmm. know he he won championships with those guys Greg McElroy who did nothing in the NFL any of those three guys three of his six titles came from people that did nothing in the college atmosphere and the nfl after that mac jones you could say is a fourth if he doesn't get it turned around you could almost argue that outside of the tua bryce young and jalen years he never had a great quarterback win him a title i so i don't remember if i talked i don't think i talked to you about this off podcast but i know i'd mentioned it to a couple of people i i Personally, if I was a defensive-minded person, I would not want to go to Alabama because right. then you're comp- like no matter what you're the comparisons to Nick Saban 
are inevitable. You will get those no matter what. But as obnoxious as the Alabama fan base is, it's going to be, oh, you gave up 400 yards to Ole Miss where, well, guess what? Nick Saban wouldn't have done that. And it's ev- it's going to be even worse. Like, oh, we need I to. Think, I think it's Sarkeesian. I'd be shocked. And it's like, oh, well, we need to. Let's just say, for instance, for instance, Bill Belichick, because it's the first name that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. So, well, Bill Belichick's not as good of a coach as Nick Saban because he, because his defense gave up 400 yards to Ole Miss. Well, honestly, who cares? Maybe if Nick Saban was coaching this game, Ole Miss gets 500 yards instead of 400. You don't know. But the Alabama mm-hmm. fan base is so irrational that it's going to make it worse. And so if I was an offensive-minded person, I would be more willing to go for the job because you will still get comparisons, but it's going to be on wins and losses overall and not wins and losses and defense. Just imagine that for a second. Alabama loses Saban, and everybody in the college football world rejoices for good measure. I mean, obviously nobody likes the Alabama Crimson Tide if they're not an Alabama fan because they're so stinking good right? and they're always a problem. So mm-hmm. everybody's rejoicing. Everybody's rejoicing and everybody's so happy. And then all of a sudden Sarkeesian gets hired and Manning transfers. What if he does transfer to Alabama at that point? Like, could you imagine the incredible ratings that would get Milrow. I don't know if he would end up leaving or not. Probably, mm-hmm. right? He'd be eligible so, to. Yeah, Milrow would be eligible to leave. But while we've been recording this podcast, I saw that Milrow has been tweeting a lot of very, very positive, I love Alabama type things. And so I think... He, it's not likely that he leaves. I could be wrong, but because if he lost the starting job, though, because let's be real, if Jalen Milrow, if you could have replaced Milrow with JJ McCarthy in that game, do you win? Mm, I'm not super high on JJ McCarthy. I know, but that's why I'm asking. Do you think you would have won? Yes or no? I got a reason. Probably not. Because okay. Oh, okay. Ewers. If you had Ewers on your team. Yes. Oh yeah. All right. Penix. Oh yeah. Manning. I don't know because I haven't seen him. And that's that's him exactly. Yet. I think the, the thing that is going to be the biggest thing. But if Penix or Ewers were available. And as a hardcore Bama fan, anybody in their right mind would probably still say, I wouldn't want Jalen Milrow over those two. I think that's where if you have a chance to get a pure pocket passer like Manning and see what you've got, man, you got to do that. Because Bama and Ohio State right now have not yet gotten that big quarterback in the transfer portal yet. Mm-hmm. And I think Manning is the next one to do it, If especially if Sarkeesian is uh, pried away from Alabama or to Alabama from Texas. Monica. What else you got for me before we bring this to a close? Because my pizza's on the way, and I got to eat dinner. Um, I 
honestly don't really know, but I think that we will have to do a emergency podcast once the replacement is finally announced. So, I tell you what we could do. Let's have it scheduled that as soon as we know the coach has been signed, mm-hmm. we'll hop back on the podcast and that's where we'll do the overview of that and also talk about our teams. We'll we'll pick one of our teams and we'll fix it over the last wow. five years. And then the Good. next podcast we can do would be once Belichick and all of them are settled and we'll take the other team and how we'd fix it. Yeah. Oh, by the way, um, I'm really excited that Marvin Harrison Jr. declared today. I love it. I'm very excited. I can't wait to uh, possibly draft him with one of the first two picks that I have in this upcoming draft. I'm so Um, excited to see him in the NFL. I am dying to see him. As we bring this to a close, Monica, do me a favor so that I don't have to do it. Plug the draft coverage that'll be coming up here sometime after the month of February. Beginning in March, we'll start having draft content. Talk a little bit about last season, what to expect, and some of the things that we did that were spot on. So, yes. uh, Once – I think this is going to sound really hilarious. Once life slows down a little bit, (laughs) um, you know, Michael and I are going to – I put a say me – I'm putting myself in here already. <laughs> so, Michael, haha, joke on you. I'm going to have to be in. Um, That's absolutely We're going right. to do some draft coverage, uh, talk about, you know, the prospects, do some mocks, um, do, like, our favorite prospects type stuff. Uh, last year in Michael's mock draft, he – what was it, like 26 picks or something? It was – we got most of the first round right. It was a lot. I got 25. I got, 25. I got all but six correct in the okay. first round. Okay. Oh, yeah. And technically, since, since the first round normally has 32 picks, I did say we were going to take Joey Porter Jr. at 32. So I got all but five right. There you go. So I, <laughs> so I did – I did get like I remember I remember the six, but I just forgot that there was thirty one. So yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, so really, really good. Michael knows what he's talking about, and then I just give my perspective based on what I saw in college, and we argue a lot. So that's always fun. Yes, and it's a really good podcast I think to listen to if you do play dynasty football in fantasy because you're going to be hearing like, you know, last year um, we talked about some of our favorite running backs and mm-hmm. I said that Devon Achan was, or Devin Achan was one of my favorite running backs. And if you listened to that, that ended up being correct. Uh, mm-hmm. He ended up doing a lot of good things in Miami this year. I told you all that Bijan Robinson was my number one running back. If you listened to me, that was correct. Same with Jameer Gibbs. If you listened you have some insight there that can really help you, I think, as you're preparing to do your draft. So as we close this episode and look forward to the next time we meet, once Alabama has made up their mind and maybe even Belichick and uh, Atlanta and New England and Los Angeles, they're all settled too, we'll be looking forward to seeing you again then. But until then, take care.